Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We are going on a journey through the symbols and secrets of the major arcana, and we hope you'll join us. If you've been listening so far, you'll know we sometimes get carried away, and we're knee-deep in Kabbalah before we can stop ourselves. So, if it sounds like we're speaking in tongues, stay with us. Help is on the way. We have a webpage, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And on that webpage, you will find basic reference articles and episode notes that are free to everyone, as well as behind the scene posts and in-depth articles for patrons. And if you become a patron at the $3 level or higher, you'll get a chance to win our weekly giveaway. Like Daniel from Queensland, who won last week's star giveaway. This week, we're talking about the moon. And so, Mel is offering a print of her moon card from Tabula Mundi, and I'm offering my Moon Dream perfume, a swoony silvery vanilla and fruit scent that's like dessert for your nose. You can sign up for your chance to win on our website, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now, here is this week's episode. Okay, so we are here today to talk about the moon, uh, the beautiful moon. Historically, this card has only been called the moon in all its different languages. So there's nothing particularly um, interesting about interpreting the titles. But the hermetic title is interesting. The uh, ruler of flux and reflex. (laughs) There's actually two two hermetic titles for this one. So ruler of flux and reflux and uh, the child of the sons of the mighty. Yeah. So that was interesting to me, the idea of child of the sons of the mighty, because we've had daughter of the mighty. It's like the the third generation. It's like the grandchild here. We're getting into the third generation, which I guess makes sense being so low on the tree. I guess you know so. you've got the the mighty ones, and then you've got the the sons and daughters of the mighty mm-hmm. ones, and then you've got the child of the sons of the <laughs> mighty ones. <laughs> so I mean, so we had. I remember we said with the emperor that was chief among the mighty. So that's as if that's one generation, and then you have the daughter of the mighty ones, which is the empress. empress yeah, and then you have the moon, which is the child of the sons of the mighty. And I don't know, maybe there is you know something in there about the sort of whole ascent up the tree thing, you know, that the generations start to intermingle. I don't know. Yeah, it, it yeah. is interesting to me, too. I think in, in I think it was in Wang's book, he, he says something about this path is the creations of the created. The creations of so the So if you created. think of the child of the sons of the mighty ones, yeah. the, you know, the sons of the mighty ones being the, the created, and then they create these creations, and these creations are our thoughts and illusions and mm-hmm. desires and, you know, yeah. you're talking about the necessary yeah. thing that we go through. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Cool. That's in Wang? Yeah. I didn't bring him down today, but all right, cool. And the, flux and reflux. Flux and reflux. That's, that's actually <laughs> awesome because... What I love about these titles is, you know, you think it's maybe a bunch of pompous Victorian 
what's the word? Well, you know, they they make everything sound very highfalutin and and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, it's extremely precise language that mm-hmm. they're using here. So you think of the ruler of flux and reflux automatically. You go, oh yes, the changeability of the moon. Mm-hmm, the tides. They, well, they could have said the ruler of the flow, the ruler of the tides, the ruler. Of, but they mm-hmm. chose these words, flux and reflux. So I thought that was really interesting because the word flux contains lux, light, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. What the moon is, is it's a body that reflects the light of the sun mm-hmm. in this cycle of going from light to darkness. Yeah. So I thought that was a really very precise nice. way of nailing down the change to be mm-hmm. associated with that pattern of, of reflecting the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me because, you know, flux back then still had some of its connotations of fever and illness, right? Mm, when you have the flux. Right, yeah. Or maybe it was, I'm not sure, that might be a, a gastrointestinal issue. And, of course, we the have moon, reflux. The moon has something reflux. to do with the stomach, actually. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, and this idea that, um, you know, there, there's certainly an idea that the, the moon in the Thoth deck, I mean, in the Crowley version, at least, for sure, has this association with illness and pestilence. And with the menstrual cycle. And with the menstrual so the, cycle, the flow, yeah. the flux. Exactly. <laughs> so that's exactly. interesting, too. So it's it's really precise language. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about all these titles, because every one of them, well, it sounds like they're they're just trying to be very, you know, pageant having some pageantry about it but Mm -hmm. it's actually every title is very precise if you reflect on why did they choose this word yeah and flux that's a um that's a that's a soldering term as well yeah yeah it's the thing that flows right yeah Um, like quicksilver mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah 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 it's the thing you use to join other things which is interesting okay so but we'll be seeing lots more of this sort of theme of changeability throughout um, both cards, I think. All right, so where shall we go next? Should we go ahead and do the astrology? We could do the astrology. We could do anything. Yeah, let's start. There's lots of symbols in here to talk (laughs) about. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. Got to jump in the pool, right? Right. So to speak. Okay, um, so Pisces, right? We're at the end of our zodiacal cycle. Yes, yeah. the last sign and the last mutable sign. Sure the is. The most mutable of the mutables. <laughs> exactly, which is, you know, the thing that allows the, the year to end and flow away. Pisces, of course, means fish, and we have all kinds of water references in both cards, don't we? We do. No actual fish, though. No actual fish. Yeah. So we have, um, you know, the the pool in the weight card, um, which has all kinds of different references. But um, but for one, that could be uh, a reference to Pisces, the watery nature of the sign. We have water in the Thoth card as well. We do. Um, so those those waves. Uh, at the bottom of the Thoth card are interesting because they they look like waves, but they are also kind of like um, uh, like a brain scan. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're supposed to be sleep, the sleep cycle. The, yeah, the um, delta phase of the brain. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The dreaming phase, perhaps. Yeah, which I was surprised to learn that they knew about back then. 
you know, yeah, in 1940-something. Well, I guess 1940-something. So. Yep. so if it's Pisces, that means we have rulership, classical rulership is Jupiter. Jupiter and um, modern Neptune. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I see a lot more Neptune in these cards. Don't you? Even though in most of the cards they're using the, the classical rulers, it seems like they really went with the modern ruler in, yeah. in this example. I think there's so much emphasis on the sort of dissolution and fantastic elements of right, Neptune. Right, Yeah. The nebulousness. Right, and the lack of clarity, because, of course, Mercury is in detriment and fall in Pisces because it's an exaltation and rulership in Virgo, the opposite sign. So Mercury does not do well. Mercury's not seeing well. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's seeing well uh, in this card. And um, we do also have exaltation of Venus, I think, in mm-hmm. 27 Pisces. So not that there are necessarily references to that. I but do wait, see there some is, references actually. in the Thoth card, the... Yeah. Uh, the uh, Anks that the Anubis-like figures are holding, uh, well, one of them looks like Mercury. The, mm-hmm, other the one, one on the left. Is, um, yep. Supposed to be Venus and Neptune combined somehow, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's as if the, the planet that's in fall is on the left there and the ones that are in rulership and uh, exaltation right. are on the right there. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting because the um, the two figures... Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you if you remember what's going on with those. Well, um, there's different ways of looking at it. It could be Anubis in his dual form, Anubis of the East and Anubis of the West. Um, but isn't there some idea that the left-hand figure might be a set figure or something like I've, that? I have heard that, but I've also seen it as, you know the the double form of Anubis, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the two figures, bet- you know, between the ways, guarding yeah. the, guarding the way, the mm-hmm. portal. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. another. Um, oh, I remember now. I now I got it. Well, I have seen in some books that the left figure holding Mercury in detriment is a set figure. Mm-hmm. I think that it could be the the um other dog or jackal-headed god Wepwawet. Oh, really? Have uh-huh. you heard of that one? No, heaven. So that's the he opens the way for the sun. Ooh. And this is the card of the, you know, the midnight yeah. sun, the sun passing through. Yeah. So I was thinking that this perhaps and 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 this this figure is often seen with Anubis. You see them together sometimes Anubis will be the black one and he'll be the gray one and mm-hmm. you see them together. Now these are both similar in color but um, mm-hmm. But you, what are each of them, their roles then in that? You, well, Anubis more of the, you know, passageway of the dead where mm-hmm. Wapwawa is more the opener of the way. I see. Whatever the see. differentiation there is, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure, but his role um, was to protect, he protected Isis while she was giving birth to Horus. Mm-hmm. Um, they both hold phoenix wands, which is mm-hmm. interesting. They both have little animals at their feet, too. Right, little dogs. Little dogs, yeah. One thing that, in terms of the astrology, that's interesting is that there may be this, um, possibly in the Thoth card on the uh, on the moon itself between the pillars. There's sort of these markings or veils or waves on it, and one of them looks like a backward C, which could be a reference to Jupiter in that it's a cuff, a Hebrew letter cuff, Jupiter 
that oh, yeah. path is right above mm-hmm. the moon. Um, that path goes from uh, Chesed to Netzach, and then the moons goes from <clears throat> Netzach to Yesod. So that's possible. And the interesting thing about this is that there's like solar and lunar stuff going on in the Thoth card, right? Well, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me, too, because, you know, the card, Crowley calls it the uh, gateway of resurrection. And he's talking mm-hmm. about the resurrection of the sun. Of the sun. So this idea that the, the dung beetle carries the sun in, through the underworld, right. through, Kefra, the, through the night. Kefri or Kefra mm-hmm. carries the sun through the midnight hour, the, uh, the swallowed sun. Mm-hmm. And we see that at the bottom of the card. There's yeah. um, some evidence that in pre-dynastic Egypt, the Milky Way looked like a figure, and this is said to be Isis or mm-hmm. um, Nuit, actually, mm-hmm. Nuit oh, or really? Nut. Mm-hmm. So at the uh, winter solstice, at the time of, was it sunset? Let's see. Yeah, at the, at the spring equinox at sunset, it mm-hmm. was in the position of her head, so there would be the Milky Way and where the figure the figure looked like she had her arms. You ever see the um, images of Newt on the inside of a sarcophagus where instead of seeing her in profile, like mm-hmm. arching over, like mm-hmm. we see in... Like we usually it, see her. Right, yeah. like we usually see her. It's it's a full-on face oh. facial front, and it was on the inside of the sarcophagus, like mirrored above the, the mummy inside. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what the Milky Way was supposed to look like at one time, like a figure yeah. stretched out like this. And yeah. so at the spring equinox at sunset, the sunset was right at the level of her head. Mm-hmm. And at mm-hmm. the winter solstice, nine months later, mm-hmm. the uh, pre-dawn sun rose in the area of her where she would be genitals birth. <laughs> where she would give birth so wow. that that was the how, how it came out that you know she swallowed the sun and gave birth to the sun both throughout the cycle of the year and every mm-hmm. night that mm-hmm. was the the passage and so she swallowed kephra the beetle and the sun and it passed through her body and was born and you see on the thoth card so if you look at those two big black towers and those mm-hmm. those waves mm-hmm. and the sun blow, doesn't it look like a woman giving birth? Oh, it See does. The, like those are her knees and does. her legs yeah. and you're seeing the, um, you know, sun yeah. right where it would be exactly. coming out if it was yep. a baby's head crowning or something. Yep. yep. So you can totally see Full it. Full dilation. It's, 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 <laughs> it's right there. I never really, I will never look at this card again the same way. <laughs> yeah, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You can't it. unsee it. Well, um, yeah, so 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 the the traditional representation of, of Newt from the side, she, it almost looks like she's in table pose, right? Yeah, so, uh, the wheel pose in yoga. Right, 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 and uh, and then so and you can see that like on your universe card, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, where else can we see that? Oh, we can see it on the on the Eon card in Thoth, I think, as well. I think she's yes, stretched out yes, over. Yes. Yeah, in that sort of omega shape. Is no. she on your Eon? Uh, on the Rosetta deck, she's like that, okay. yes. Okay, so so those are two places where you can see that in tarot. And so the idea is that with the Milky Way, that it was as if you were under that. Yeah. Cool. The, and now it's dome, as if you're looking, the dome of the sky, <laughs> looking right? head on at the birth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, in in uh, parents' uh, spouse's eye view. 
midwife's eye view. The okay. sun, uh, the the sun figure there, held by the beetle, you know, looking like it's being reborn there. I I think of it, this phase of the solar cycle. So they call it the sun at midnight, you know, mm-hmm. when it's hidden. And if you in Liber Resh, you know, the the sun at midnight was called the sun in his silence. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, so astrologically, the three decans associated with Pisces, uh, represented by the, the Eight of Cups, the Nine of Cups, and the Ten of Cups, and they're they're particularly interesting ones, I think, because the names are different in Crowley versus the Golden Dawn. So instead, like for the Eight of Cups, he says, um, he calls it indolence, right? Yeah. And, uh, and the Golden Dawn calls it abandoned success, mm-hmm. which... I, I think is is just so interesting. It's the um, it's the the Saturn in Pisces. So there's this idea there's a, this I- idea of with Pisces in general of returning to the source of dissolving and whereas Saturn is the Lord of Boundaries. Mm. So there's this like structure versus you know dissolution, dissolution of structure, of structure right. thing happening right, right. right. saturn neptune thing yeah. they're very saturn uh, versus neptune opposite forces yeah yeah and you know austin Coppock calls it the labyrinth so it's like this idea that mm. you're lost in the structure and you're trying to return home i could see that you know? yeah and uh, and you can really see that in the uh, weight card this sort of like leaving behind of the place that we were that you've become so confused in and trying to move on towards the light again. Right. Um, and also, I think Thoth says something. So this is seven and seven and eight of cups are related in his version, right? There's the, it's a Wagnerian thing, a Parsifal thing. He talks about the gardens of Kush. Yeah, Kundri. Klingzor. The garden of Kundri and the palace of Klingzor. Oh, right. And which is which? Klingzor is the Seven uh, the, of Cups. Uh, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. And the Garden of Country. So, so, so the um, I I sort of think if I remember the the plot correctly in Parsifal that there's so there's a sorcerer Klingzor and there's a witch Kundri or right, something like right. that, and he's. Yep. Basically, going from you know from schemes and plots of one to the schemes and plots of the other. Right. And yeah, he calls it uh, the opposite and complementary error. <laughs> these, these two cards. <laughs> right, right, right. So, but it's interesting because both the seven and and the eight of cups. Although the seven of cups is Scorpio and the eight of cups is Pisces, they do have that element of sort of seeing things not as they are. Mm. Right, this element of illusion or fantasy and being lost along the journey. The, the eight of cups he, he says in the psychopathology of the path this card is the german measles of christian mysticism <laughs> okay then Alrighty then. Alrighty then tell us how you feel tell us how you feel somewhere in- else i read that i don't know if it was there that it's the equivalent of you know setting up a party and and then never in, inviting anyone or something mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh uh, in the weight card, also, you were talking about the eclipse idea that this was an eclipse of the waning moon uh, in the Thoth card, but in the weight, in the Thoth moon card, but in the weight eight of cups card, you also have something that's supposed to be an eclipse, interestingly enough. So it really sort of underlines that whole dark night of the soul thing. Right. And then in the nine of cups, we have Jupiter in Pisces. Happiness. Happiness or material happiness. Um, 
in in the Golden Dawn version. And I think the idea, you know, also known as the card of wishes, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's an idea that that here's a moment of balance, I guess, where where people can make manifest right, the things back on they the desire. middle pillar, the nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And the nine being very, um, you know, being the Yisod, very mm-hmm. compatible with the energies of Pisces. Yeah, yeah, and this idea also that there's... Um, and with Jupiter, it's ruler. So and with you, Jupiter, you it's all, ruler. You can't go wrong with that combination. Right, right. There's that, you know, the sort of magical power of the moon in in its uh, in its happy place and Jupiter with, as its ruler and this idea that pretty much anything that you desire can come to you, but... Be sure what you want because <laughs> that doesn't it doesn't right. help you. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> right. Be careful what you wish for because it's not going to help you figure out whether it's good for you. <laughs> um, and then there's the Ten of Cups, the Mars mm. in Pisces, which is so interesting. It's the um, satiety in Crowley, but perpetual success in right. Golden it's, there's Dawn. the biggest, I think, the biggest discrepancy between mm-hmm. the weight card and the mm-hmm. Crowley card in the Ten of Cups than almost any other card of the deck, I think. It's pretty intense. But there is a thread of similarity in the sense, so in the weight card you see the, you know, the happy family, mm-hmm. arms linked under a rainbow, <laughs> and the the fact that he's put the rainbow there you know how fleeting a rainbow exactly. is it just doesn't last and that's you know mutable decan of mutable sign you know and right, it's the, the ten, very the, last the moment ultimate, of the year yeah. right when when you know it's mars it's that moment going from Mars in Pisces, Ten of Cups, to Mars in Aries, Aries two right. of Wands. Right, the double Mars. The double Mars yep. thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you have this energy that allows you to pass out and this energy that allows you to enter. But one way or another, it's not going to last. Don't cling to it. Right. 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 And I, I think, you know, to me, the Ten of Cups always has this like overripeness about it and this idea that it's it's a vision, but... You know, it's not reality. Right. Or it's maybe reality for a, for moment, a moment or it feels yeah. good at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... I can't tell you how many Kind of like times... the Buddhist view, don't cling to it because it, that's yeah. the way of suffering. I have so many times seen women in particular get this card and get all excited. It's like, am I going to marry this guy? Are we going to have a happy family? They get the card, mm. and they think that that means it's all going to work out. And I'm like, no. You know, the reason you're getting this card be- is because, because you're, you th- you're projecting right, so you're, hard right. <laughs> that you can see it. But that, whenever I see that card in a reading, I actually take it as something of a warning. You know, right. don't. They'd be better off with yeah. the Four of Wands or something. <laughs> four of Wands, Ten of Discs, right. you know, yeah. something that's a little more, you know, Four of Wands could point to the wedding, right. you know, if right. not the marriage. You know, right. Ten of Discs could point to the legacy. Right. But Ten of uh-huh. Cups is, you know, it's it's It's, it's a, an illusory um, paradise. <laughs> that's right. It's chasing rainbows, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that um, Austin Coppock says that uh, this Deccan is... Uh, associated with the goddess Elpis, which is which means hope in Greek, which is like the last thing that was left in Pandora's box, right? So hope, you know, what could be better than hope? But at the same time, 
Hope springs eternal. <laughs> you have to have hope. I mean, it's really important to have hope. You can't do without it in your life. You won't get along, but it's not the same thing mm. as having the thing itself. And and the ruler of Mars, just Mars mm-hmm. isn't really happy being in that last decan right. of po- right. watery Pisces. Right, right. Okay, so I made a note to myself about Venus and the Ten of Cups because her degree of exaltation falls in this ah, decade. Ah, yeah. Right. Maybe that's a little yeah. little bright single yeah. flash of perfection <laughs> and beauty, but it's only one degree. Exactly. It's one degree. It's not the whole sign. Yeah. You know, you have Venus and Mars and you have everything that goes on with the tension between those two uh, for that decan and that degree of exaltation. But, um, okay, so um, we've already touched on the Kabbalah, but we might as well dive all the way in. Um, <laughs> into the deep, murky into the pool, deep, murky of, pool of the moon of Yesod. So um, in the weight card, you can actually think of that, uh, uh, of that pool at the bottom as the yes, as Yesod, as the province or sphere of the moon. Uh, at the bottom of the tree. Uh, you can think of the towers as the pillars of force and form. It's possible to do that. Um, and there's another reference to the Kabbalah in the weight card, even, because there are 32 rays on the on the moon. Uh, and 32, of course, is the 10 sephirot plus the 22 paths. So when you see that reference to 32, that's what that's about. Mm-hmm. And then again, you also have the, um, it's associated with Hebrew letter kof, which means the back of the head. So you can kind of make an argument that there's an emphasis on the back of the head in this picture. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You ever hear the, uh, the term eyes in back of your head? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of that, you know, the whole brainstem there and intuition yeah. and, and having eyes in the back of their, yeah, their head. Yeah, and like on your are... moon card in, in Tabula Mundi, you have like a little door there, yeah, too. Yeah, there's a little door, because I've always thought there's a little door right there <laughs> at the back of your head that you have to guard very carefully <laughs> at, at times. <laughs> and, uh, and the attribute associated with... Um, cuff because all the the single letters have these uh, attributes associated with them is either sleep or laughter, <laughs> which mm, I think is so interesting. interesting. Sleep, of course, is pretty pretty, sleep obvious. Is pretty obvious for this card. But yeah. um, but the idea of laughter, I don't know, um, like the idea that you banish with laughter or the idea that laughter comes with insanity. I'm not really sure how where that comes from. But as I was saying, I was showing you in the Sefer Yatsira all of these attributions you know, have a couple of different ways that they get assigned. So um, the Golden Dawn chose one of them. And mm. so that's why we have the Golden Dawn attribution of sleep, which makes perfect sense. You could also say that the way the moon is looking in the direction that it's looking reflects in the, that path. In the weight card, yeah. Yeah, in I the mean, weight yeah. card, yeah. One thing, the phases of the moon are different in these two cards, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. That's true. Well, Crowley it could be definitely anyway. saw this as the waning moon, um, mm-hmm. where it seems like weight didn't so much. Mm-hmm. And but the p- depiction in the Thoth card is is said to be a, oh, yes. a phase of the moon you can only see during 
Oh, as the waning moon during a partial eclipse. <laughs> the the exact quote from Crowley is the waning moon of witchcraft and abominable deeds. Yes. Poisoned darkness, which is the condition of the rebirth of light. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that um language of sorcery and taboo mm-hmm. in his description. But what I love most about Crowley is he goes on and on about what an abomination this perilous path is. And then at the end, and he says, but how splendid is the adventure. But how splendid is the adventure. Exactly. He had a real lust for <laughs> the explorations of the mind. And I the really weirder, the better. Ad- admire that about him. <laughs> <laughs> right. So although we have this, um, you know, this, this, downward-looking moon in the weight card that could be looking from uh, Netzach to Yesod, and the idea that we have a waning moon in the one and maybe a waxing moon in the other, the waxing moon uh, on the weight card. Let's also remember that in the southern hemisphere, it's the other way around. So waxing, waning, take your pick. (laughs) Right. I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea that there are these competing interpretations of these cards, like the idea that maybe the waxing one is, um, you can associate that with the more modern interpretation of fertility and intuition and feminine power. And then, and the waning one could be associated with the, the, the darkness and the witchcraft and the animal lack of control, you know, kind of. Well, there's something to the whole, you know, increase things you want to increase and bring mm-hmm. forth and the things you want to banish or or release. Right, too. and the <laughs> idea with the moon, you get to do both depending on the time yeah. of uh, the month. Um, and, the, and the idea also that like with both those interpretations, you get to decide which is positive or which is negative. Right, because right? yeah. sometimes release is, is positive. Yeah. yeah. How splendid is the adventure? Yes, exactly. <laughs> So we can talk about the yodes. We oh, have yeah. lots of yodes floating yodes. around in both cards. <laughs> okay, so uh, weight card, we've got, uh, I think it's 15. Yep, 15. And, yeah. Uh, Which, you know, I thought was interesting because 15, if you think of the uh, the 29-day cycle of the moon, half yes. is 14 and a half. Day so 15. Roughly, roughly 15 is, is the whole light to darkness cycle. Right. And day 15 represents the full moon. Or Right. Yeah. Yeah. So right. it's half. It's exactly almost. Yeah. I hadn't even almost thought of that. Almost half of a cycle. That's cool. Uh, also, the idea that maybe it could be related to the devil in some form. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know. Uh, as perhaps you could think of it as like, you know, the devil's association with the mastery over matter and witchcraft. And then this is a little obscure, but Mm -hmm. I also, it occurred to me that it could be a reference to the 15th degree of Freemasonry as well. What's that? The 15, which is (laughs) perseverance in times of adversity and, and, Hmm. you know, fidelity to obligations and, uh, triumph in trials of darkness and light you know and that Mm -hmm. speaks very much to the moon imagery because you know this path is all about the kind of dark night where you know you're you're in your spiritual progress and you feel like it's hopeless and useless and you lose your energy and you and it's all Mm -hmm. confusion and you lose your way but it's so you need to persevere through that. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This, they, they call it the uh, illusory light that's more deadly than darkness. <laughs> nice, nice. And then we have nine in the other mm-hmm. card, in Crowley's Which is card. probably directly a Yisod yeah. reference. So Yisod, the number of Yisod being nine, and also the number of months of gestation, mm-hmm. nine Again, the magical Again, to that number. cycle of the birth of the, exactly. the sun exactly. in Egypt. And Crowley actually describes, yet another thing you won't be able to unlearn, <laughs> describes these droplets as drops of impure blood, um, referring to the menstrual cycle. In his card, he refers to something about um, Abraham, the covenant of Abraham or something. He so does. If you, if you look up, you know, what is he talking about there? So that's the whole story about, you know, Abraham and Sarah wanting to have a child and they were too old, basically. Mm-hmm. And then her fertility was renewed and she mm-hmm. became fertile again and they had a child. I thought the covenant of Abraham had to do with circumcision, which takes place on the eighth day. Hmm, that's interesting as well. But hmm. there is the thing about Abraham and Sarah, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, she's like 90-something years old, and she has a, <laughs> has a baby. You know? right. Um, right, right. So there's something it's about... It's going to take a miracle. So, so <laughs> is is the, you know, reference to that menstrual blood in the card that it's waning and going away, the, you know, the... The crone phase, or is it also the renewal of it that? It is both, Both right? at the yeah. same time, because right. it's the moon. <laughs> right. Okay, so anyway. Well, we could talk about the towers. Oh, yeah. Those towers uh, are so... Some stuff to explore, I think. Yeah, the towers are great, and I love that they're in both cards, and, you know... Yeah. They're creepy, aren't they? They are creepy. I always feel like it's Tolkien, you know? It's like Minas Morgul when you go to to, to Mordor and there are the dark towers. That's the one thing. Well, this card is creepy. It's just plain creepy in both versions. And those two towers in the weight card are the same, too, as in the death card. Yes. That's interesting, too. Right. So one is, you know, the gates of death and the other is the gates of resurrection, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. in a sense. But it's, you're on the, uh, I think in the death card the towers are uh on the other side of the river whereas mm-hmm. in this card you're on the same side as the oh, towers or something yeah. like that well you're almost there <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> well also i think that that um the weight card has a sun setting and that reminds you of that whole you know solar journey right beneath yeah. the towers exactly which is you know so but i look at these both of these cards they both have a single window at at the at the top. Yeah. And well, yeah, you could go, okay, oh, Felix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was time. <laughs> it, it reminds me of like a prison. So you're locked in this tower with mm-hmm. only one one window at the top. And, mm. you, you know, you can only look out. And it's these th- that the shells of illusions that we build for, e- mm-hmm. for ourselves. Yeah. And even in the, if you look in the Crowley card, I think there's even bars on the windows. If you look there really closely. There are. There are. So it's the, uh, you know, definitely what they looks... call the old gray land where everything's <laughs> an, an illusion before you've awakened. Yeah, those windows. They're like Chex Mix windows. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that, again, that uh, association with death, you know, Scorpio, Pisces, that connection there. They're both 
water signs going from fixed to mutable. Two of them. Mm. So is that you know a separation of the conscious mind and the unconscious mind? Yeah, wouldn't you think so? Hemispheres of the brain. You know, this being the back of the head. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or they could be like the. Gates of horn and ivory. Yeah. Know, for sleep. Like I put in my, yeah, my like moon you did. card. Yeah. 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 It's, it, there's just something so profound about that gateway. Um, more so, I think, than the pillars we see elsewhere. When I see the pillars throughout the majors, I think of them as force and form, mercy and severity, sides of a battery, positive and negative. But this yeah. is different. This is different. They're, yeah. the, they're, the, they're too similar to be. Yeah, that necessarily. Right. And there's like a real, I feel like it's as if it's in a different direction. If you know what I mean? It's like instead Mm. of like going up the middle pillar. Almost makes me think of when you see double, you know, that that illusion thing, you know, if Mm -hmm. you're, I think Crowley refers to this card as drunkenness of senses. And you know, you ever, if (laughs) you've ever gotten that pie-eyed you've seen double <laughs> oh me never it's almost like it's almost like that well you know what it looks like to me it looks like if you're looking at a, a picture that's intended to be looked at through 3d glasses you know and they have those double images. yeah yep yeah yeah that makes sense for this card yeah oh speaking of double images in mm-hmm. the in the thoth card notice how you know see where the moon is and see below it there's the the same kind of swirling forms as that are below in the water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like it's in a, a reflection kind of oh yeah that makes me mm-hmm. think of the magic mirror which is the weapon, the of, weapon of yeah of cuff that's right yeah yeah yeah. which that's kind of cool that's kind of cool it does it does look like a mirror it does look like a mirror and although the 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 reflection part the waters it's interesting it has those horizontal lines across it right. which make it look like water but also crowley calls them the graphs of abomination. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the horizontal yeah. ones down below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The scratches. Yeah, and it's sort of like it's trying to be crossed out. Mm, I don't know. I, that was such an interesting turn, turn of phrase, and I, so I don't really know what if it meant the, if, the, if the wavy lines are mm-hmm. the uh, waveforms of the sleep cycle, mm-hmm. and those horizontal, graphs, scratches. horizontal scratches, graphs of abomination, maybe that's what causes the nightmares. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the record hitting a scratched place yeah. in the mind going... Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So interesting. I would have loved to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things I would have loved to talk to Crowley about, but that's one of them. (laughs) Oh, and he describes the towers as black towers of nameless mystery, horror, and fear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he also says something like, the fiery senses balked. The the knight on his quest has to rely on the three lower senses because the moon has no air. And oh. I think there's there's a little footnote mm-hmm. on um, I think in the in the book of Thoth on this card that says that reminded me to look up something and it was talking about so the three right where it says the the knight must rely on the three lower senses touch taste and smell there's a mm-hmm. little footnote um, let me see what it says association oh yeah he says see the book of lies um, there's a chapter called borscht 
Hmm. Which, you know, think of the color of borscht is like the red of blood. He's funny uh-huh. in the Book of Lies. He has all these funny titles for things. Anyway, so you, if you go to the Book of Lies and read that that um, chapter, Borscht, mm-hmm. which I did, <laughs> it's all about, you know, the witch moon of blood. And it has, mm-hmm. it has three um, paragraphs to it. And then he has his little commentary underneath. And he's talking about that he says it's how to baffle the three characteristics. So he's talking about the Buddhist concepts of anicca, dukkha, and anatta. Okay. Anicca, anicca is impermanence. Uh, dukkha is the unsatisfactoriness of all. Mm-hmm. And uh, anatta <laughs> is not self or all things are not yourself. So he says in verse one of that poem, it's how to battle the three characteristics. Mm. And he says verse two is showing that death is impotent against life. And he says, verse three is the solution, and which is how that you must accept things as they are in order to turn to true progress on the path. Hmm. So taking the oath to persevere again through these adversities of, you know, not self, Mm -hmm. unsatisfactoriness and impermanence Mm -hmm. Hmm. and how we just don't like that. Yeah, (laughs) no, no. I can't think of anything I like less than those three things. Exactly. That's, yeah. There's something to it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So that's the footnote in Book of Thoughts to this card. It leads you to the Book of Lies. Leads you right to that poem. So, you know, there's just this little cryptic footnote saying, see Borsch in Book of Lies. And you're like, okay, I'll go see that. That's interesting. It reminds me, so um, when we were talking about in the Ten of Cups, um, Caput calls that Deccan the a cup of blood, and again that sort of ties in again with yeah, that idea yep. of the menstrual cycle and whether you know the release of the blood is an act of you know of renewal or an act of waste, you know, and right. those two interpretations, yeah, f- fertility unfulfilled mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> if you thought it was a nice card about female power, <laughs> it's well, it is, com- but it is, it's but it's more complicated. complicated. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, we oh should- speaking of borscht, we can do the colors. Oh, because one of okay. them is a red, violet, crimson. Oh, very much the there color. We go. Of, of yes. yes. So that color in itself is is. I find very interesting because if you think about the color scales, so that's the king scale color. We're now at the very end of the the signs, sure and are. we're back to red again. It's like the ultraviolet, mm-hmm. red violet mm-hmm. kind of wave. So we started at red, and now we're ending right. at red, and the cycle's about to start again with pure red and Aries. If right, you started or it that that moment between ultraviolet right. and infrared. Yeah, yeah. so that's mm-hmm. what this color is. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as so, it's that crimson red. Cool violetish red so that's kind of cool and then um the queen scale color is buff flecked silver (laughs) which seems very appropriate for a Mm -hmm. lunar with the you Mm -hmm. know the silver flecks Mm -hmm. and then you've got a light translucent pink brown Mm. um you see that very much in the crowley card Mm -hmm. and then something called stone so stone I'm not sure yeah. if they mean a grayish stone or a more reddish stone, but either way, you can kind of see it in there. Yeah, yeah. And in the weight card, you don't really have um, those colors represented so much, although you can kind of pick them out if you if you look hard. Um, you can, I don't see any crimson. I see. Well, there's the... Uh, the dog is the, reddish. And the, and the lobster is sort of boiled looking. 
<laughs> I like what Duquette says something about when he, he looks at this card he starts thinking about melted butter and the, when he looks at Waite's card oh my god I'm dying he's a for cancer. a lobster roll he's a cancer he? so yeah he's a foodie probably <laughs> wow yeah well you certainly have the stone in the towers yeah the stone there. yeah yep. hmm interesting so um, one thing we didn't talk about in terms of numerical references, we talked about the 32, the 15, the 9, but we didn't also talk about the connection with the hermit, right? Oh, right. Yeah, because 18 right. reducing right. to 9. 18 reducing to 9, yeah. Yeah, and um, so that's interesting because, you know, there's this idea, well, first of all, it's uh, you can see the mountains in the back of the moon card on the weight. Uh, and the hermit card. being mm-hmm. the opposite sign of uh, Virgo, yeah, Virgo, which is Pisces, opposite yeah. to Pisces, so same axis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Venus in her fall in Virgo and her exaltation in Pisces. The loaves and fishes the again. Loaves and fishes. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and the uh, hermit being the yod. Mm-hmm. That's the, well, not only are there yodes in the card, but mm-hmm. the the whole yod kind of being a spark of of the light and seed. the secret seed, and it makes me think of that dot in the center of the sun glyph, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and this idea that you know if you're renewing your fertility, there's a partnership with the secret seed, you know, that needs to the right. egg that must grow again, yep, or be released, um, yeah, and and I like the way. Uh, in your hermit card, you have him entering the underworld. So, you know, on the way card, we have these mountains and the hermits on a mountain that could be sort of a connection there. But there's also this idea that the hermit is going beneath the earth in the same way that the sun goes beneath the earth, you know, in that right. solar mystery. Right. Yeah. And he's carrying the, the, the lantern. The and he's lantern, carrying right? this, this carrying the yes, sun in, exactly. his, in his lantern. Right. Yeah, and who knows, you know, and it's almost as though he has to go through that darkness to attain his wisdom. I think um, also going back to the the Book of Lies Borscht thing for homework, (laughs) if anyone wants to... if anyone wants to read in that book, there are a couple more chapters that they aren't mentioned um, directly in the uh, Book of Thoth itself, but when you look at that Borscht um, commentary, it also mentions a couple other chapters in the Book of Lies that relate to the moon card, uh, which are one called the Stag Beetle, uh, okay, obviously, of course, beetle reference, right. and then yeah. one called Dewdrops. <laughs> so uh, wow. if anyone wants any extra homework, you can seek those out. Yeah, so, you know, all the fluids. <laughs> we don't have any alchemy in this card, do we? I haven't seen any alchemical references, which is odd, other than the, you know, Mercury glyph in the Thoth card, mm. which is more of an astrological reference, I think. All right. Um, oh, can we talk about dogs and hounds and jackals and oh, yeah. anubis and yeah. all that because that's yeah, a big thing here. Yeah, and one it's the dog and the in the uh the dog and the wolf, I guess in the weight card. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think there's that idea of the the tamed versus the untamed. Right, you know? so the conscious versus the unconscious yeah. forces kind of I don't know if they're in the, agreement or at war with each other. It's kind of hard to tell what's going on, but one's howling at the moon, the other looks like he's baring his teeth. Yeah, I think the dog is like going back to his roots here, meeting up with his long-lost cousin. Right, <laughs> right. And then, you know, in the other card, in the Thoth card, you've got the 
either set in Anubis or Wepwawa in Anubis. Mm-hmm. That's I think I I prefer the Wepwawa in Anubis because mm-hmm. that just makes sense to me with the yeah, I like that. the passage of the sun. But um, mm-hmm. it, I could also see it could be a set figure as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, just thinking about the Anubis figure with this card is interesting because you know Anubis was a psychopomp, um, the a, a guide through the worlds, through the underworld. Right, in the pyramid text, the uh, the jackal on his mountain by the lake mm-hmm. is referred to that the soul meets on the journey. Mm. And then also, just, I don't know whether it's a coincidence or what, but dogs are also associated with Artemis. Yeah, The goddess right. of the moon, right? Because yep. um, the huntress goddess. And, and also associated with Hecate, another oh, moon goddess, and more yeah. of the dark moon yeah. type of goddess. Yeah. It's interesting that we have this, um, this, this idea of dogs is so curious because, you know, you think of cats as being more of a lunar animal. Really? But, I think of cats as solar. Yeah. Oh, well, like if, because of the Egyptian connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I but I, could see, I see what mm-hmm. you mean, too, because mm-hmm. you, you think of the witch with her black cat mm-hmm. familiar, and mm-hmm. that seems more lunar than solar. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Interestingly, the card I drew today, the Ten of Discs, I drew it from the animal totem tarot, and uh, it was... Just curious because their animal totem for that card is the rabbit, which is a oh right yeah know, the rabbit of the moon the rabbit of the moon, the of yep. the moon yep. reference yeah, um, and then of course there's always uh, the rabbit seems far too timid to be the moon to me I though know, you know, yeah. but I get where they're yeah. going with well, that. Well, there's the fertility aspect, right? Right. <laughs> right. Although, is this really a card of fertility? Is the question? Is it? Is it a card of fertility? It seems like or... it's more like the mm-hmm. card of a question of. Will there be fertility? Mm. Has the light gone away forever? Will it be mm. reborn? Mm. You know, that kind of like danger of getting lost and forgetting the way to rebirth. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because both the sun and the moon have that paradox of fertility versus barrenness, right? Right. You yeah. know, because the moon has that like fertility because it's the associated the with the cycle of women, yeah, mm-hmm, the cycle of women, but also because it's a specifically associated with the end of that cycle, you know, um, and the and the sun has its fertility as the you know as the nurturer of life, the thing without which we all die. But also, you have too much of it, you know, and you right. don't got beans. So right. <laughs> interesting. Well, well, we'll get to that when we get to the sun card. But the sun's actual uh, double attribute is fertility and barrenness, I believe. I like the uh, little poems in the back of Book of Thoth, and the mm-hmm. one on this card says, Let the illusion of the world pass over thee unheeded as thou goest from the midnight to the morning. Mm, that's beautiful. It is. Yeah. I love those little poems. They're at yeah. the back of the book, and there's one for each uh-huh. of the majors. Oh, that's great. I, you know, I, I have the PDF, but I've never sort of explored the end of it. Hmm. I love that, the illusion of the world pass unheeded, because... You know, we we associate this card with illusions of the mind and dreams and fantasies, but, you know, that makes a larger connection to the idea that everything's an illusion. Right. Okay. Uh, have we got anything else? I, I crossed pretty much everything off this list, I think. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't think we really specifically mentioned was the path itself being mm. from... Um, 
Malkut to Netzach. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. We should think about that a so little bit. So that's you know Venus and the Earth, two very feminine. Um, yeah, or Venus, things, I guess. Uh, wait, isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Saturn, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah Saturn right. and Earth. Yeah, you know, Saturn or Earth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bina, Saturn Malkut or Earth, to... and it's you know I've been thinking so much about these sort of Venus Saturn connections because there seem to be a lot of them yeah. throughout the majors. You know this they have so this one's on the path tension. of Venus Saturn or or Venus or Venus Earth. Earth and again Venus exaltation in right. in Pisces um, the the body of you know the Malkut the body and Netzach as desire so again that yeah. speaks to that you know kind of illusory does a lot of. A lot mm-hmm. of illusions are either from fear or desire, mm-hmm. or fear you won't get what you desire. <laughs> well, and also, I think, you know, there's this idea of the moon as a um, as a creator of of fantasies, but necessary fantasies. Like, you know, the thing, the thing about the Venus and Netzach connection is that it's not just about Venus as a goddess of love, you know, affection, nice things, <laughs> harmony, beauty, but also Netzach in general, I think has this idea of endurance, you know, of the victory that mm. comes with enduring through time and persevering, like, you know, and I almost feel like without that element of illusion, you know, Venus can't draw people together to right. create the next generation in Malkut. Right, you know? attracting to you yeah. what you need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a the magic and a glamour of sorting about it. the mm-hmm. wheat from the chaff, <laughs> right. <if> you will. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I, I think that you know we all need our our dreams and mysteries to survive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone once, when I first did the Rosetta deck asked an interview question, something like, "Well, which card do you think is the?" most important to explore and i think i said the moon but at your peril (laughs) (laughs) yeah how splendid is the adventure how splendid is the adventure it's an amazing card so much going on all right smells smells yeah we've got smells and, and notes uh so so the 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 moon's a funny one um the traditional fragrance associated with the moon is ambergris which literally means gray amber and um i've never seen any ambergris but it is as you said whale vomit (laughs) whale vomit exactly it washes up on shore it's gray and i think kind of greasy waxy hard and and if you happen to find a lump of it it's amazingly incredible amounts of money yes incredible yes it is um, like i heard something like a guy found a chunk of it washed up on a beach that was worth a hundred thousand dollars at least right at least because it's so rare and it's um in its natural raw state apparently super stinky really gross doesn't actually smell good doesn't actually smell like a lot of the things in perfume are not things you just want around you just like want one drop to create the effect the magic the magic, the magic exactly. stink. I do not have, needless to say, any true ambergris, uh, any true ambergris, but um, but I do have, and you you may want to think twice about smelling this because uh, because of your sensitivity to synthetics. I have ambroxan, which it. is what very quick most one. people use. It's very faint, actually. It's not very strong. Curiosity at all. killed the cat. As yeah, they say, I have to smell it anyway. Yeah. It's an enveloping sort of smell, smell, but not aggressive in this version. Um, and, you know, we talked a lot about uh, 
amber in previous fragrance talks because it's... Uh, is that the same thing, though? Well, amber and ambergris? The idea is that an amber perfume is, is um, based on a number of different smells, and ambergris was supposed to be one of them. Okay. Yeah, um, although nowadays, I think... You know, first of all, you're going to be using ambroxan, um, but also uh, people use the resins, labdanum, benzoin. There's a couple of others as well. But anyway, so, um, but ambergris is interesting and seems particularly appropriate for this card because it's well. I mean, it's not just anybody's right. Right. <laughs> it's well right. vomit, so it comes Largest from the sea. mammal in the yeah. world. Yeah. And the keeper of history, the whale. Yeah, you know, the great marine mammal. And there's also that idea of... Um, you ever see a whale up close, like on a boat or anything? No. Wow, no, they're, yes. they're, they're... I would love eyes, to. Just their eyes, they're like very... You can see yeah. why they're lunar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also the idea... There's something I, very appealing to me about the idea that it's... Ambergris is a kind of excrement. And very precious at the same time. Seems very appropriate for this card for the somehow. Moon and, yeah, <laughs> it does. And Pisces and the end of a cycle. And, right, yeah. right. Now, the other thing that's associated with this is violet, interestingly. Oh, enough. yeah. Violet's yeah. lunar. Violet's lunar. The color is lunar. Um, again, another synthetic. This one, you definitely, I think you might want to just smell it with the cap on because <laughs> it's that's pretty strong. strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, uh, it's, Eonone beta, which is a synthetic which is usually used for violets these days. And mm. I read somewhere that, that the violet is considered a talismanic fragrance in a way, or an amulet kind of fragrance. It's, it wards off witchcraft, hmm. you know, it uh, protects and neutralizes. You know what's really cool about violets? What? Like the actual flowers, yeah. violets. I make... Um, both violet wine and mm. violet uh, cordials. Yeah. And, you know, you see the violet flowers, it's that pretty purple mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. But then you, if you boil them in water or, or soak them in alcohol, mm -hmm. it's the most brilliant blue green that really? you've ever seen. It's absolutely stunning, almost cobalt, but more greenish blue. Wow. Beautiful. And yeah. so I make this, this drink mm -hmm. and it's that color blue. But wow. you can't drink it that way because it's not, it, do, it lacks any acidity for mm -hmm. balance. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is you add some either lemon or lime to it to bring mm -hmm. up the, the acidity so it it's not again? just sweet. <laughs> and then it turns it purple again. Exactly. So it's, okay. like, it's, yeah. like, it's like a natural litmus, litmus paper. Test. So yeah. I, what I like yeah. to do sometimes is I make it blue just so I can see it look pretty in the glass. And then I add a squeeze of lime to it and watch it turn colors before oh, my eyes. Man. And then I drink it and it's, it goes from you know blue-green to pink purple that's and cool. it's like a magical yeah. transformation and yeah. that seems very lunar and neptunian lunar. And, yeah. and all that yeah that's great we should do that sometime that's that's amazing i totally am into it all right um oh and the only other thing left is the musical notes so as this is interesting because we have gone all the way to the end of the color scale yeah. We're at red violet you know yep ultraviolet infrared and um so that's the last note so it's a dog we... whistle it's a do 
If you can't hear me singing, that's because you're not a dog. <laughs> Dogs will start howling, though. <laughs> uh, no, so the idea here is that, okay, we're at the end of the scale, so we've come back to the last note before C, which is B, B natural. That is the note associated with the moon. And you know what? It might be the only one that's associated with B natural. I can't think of any other card that's associated with B natural. I can't remember any so far. I can't remember any. And, you know, we've, we're almost at the end of our journey, really, through the majors. So anyway, so that's what that is. So we've gone through a lot of different themes. I think it's been a great card to talk about. Um, and we, we've talked about the many paradoxes and contradictions and, you know, sort of uh, cultural discomfort with femininity in many ways with this card. We've talked about, uh, on the one hand, it's being a card of sort of animal instincts and, um, and witchcraft and darkness. And on the other hand, a card of birth and um, changeability and Flux and reflux. There's so much in here. Right. The journey yeah. of the sun. The journey of the sun. Midnight exactly. Sun. Yeah. The resurrection of the sun. The world of dreams and fantasies. The path perilous. <laughs> yes. The splendid adventure. <laughs> yes. So, um, so thank you for going with us on this moonlit journey. And we will be back next time with the sun. So get your sunglasses and your parasols. (laughs) And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you're enjoying Fortune's Wheelhouse, won't you leave us a review on iTunes? It's more helpful to us than you can imagine. Even a sentence or two multiplies our reach so that other tarot enthusiasts out there, like you, can find and enjoy the show. And if you'd like to have a chance at these amazing giveaways that we keep mentioning, why not become a patron at the $3 level or above? You'll be entered to win in our prize drawings, you'll gain access to the 78 Playlist Tarot Music Project on Spotify, and you'll unlock a treasury of patron-only esoteric content on our website. What's that website again? It's www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. We can't wait to welcome you to the wheelhouse community because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support. (laughs) 